This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. Everybody's got to set up in this bedding thicket. Oh, saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. It's a 170. That was money. I think he's down right up there. 10 yards. Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Coming in your ear holes and you did it. Another week close to the deer season and coming back for some more whitetail content. That's exactly what I'm bringing this week. I'm talking with Ryan Roberts from Illinois Hardwoods. And uh, Ryan is very successful at getting on ag land bucks, trail cameras, and successfully killing um, some giant Midwest whitetail. Um, over the years, I've followed Ryan. Um, I think we had him on the show multiple years ago and he just continues to keep killing bucks year after year and we're going to break down uh ag land farmland bucks in this podcast how he gets on them how he targets them and how he's found success over the years um but before that let's get into the people that make this possible get into the show and everybody knows that that is exodus outdoor gear 
So for my Exodus update this week, I finally got out about seven cell cams. And uh, I have located a pretty solid buck already. Um, pretty good growth. Um, definitely a shooter. Good mass. Good browse. Uh, Ten-point frame already. So excited to continue watching him fill out. Uh, as well as, uh, man, so many turkeys on the property. Um, where in the spring there was none, which is crazy to me. There's just a, a whole bunch of turkey picks coming in um, on the daily. So, <coughs> excuse me, I hung seven cell cams, um, and I hung them in all different types of regions. Some I hung for during season, some I hung specifically for summer, um, summertime picks. Um, some I hung on uh, scrapes that they open up early. Um, but I did an in-depth video, um, and I lay, I'm going to lay out every single trail cam position and, and then actually share the pictures that I get and kind of have it a, a game to see what pick, you know, what camera you think is going to get the best pick. And I'm going to do that all on my Patreon account. Um, so if you guys are interested in that content, that's where that will be. Um, like I said, I'm going to deep dive into my hunting strategy and my trail cam strategy on the Patreon th this year instead of the podcast. Just bring you guys um, whitetail uh, knowledge-based content on here. So that is my Exodus update for the week. If you guys are in the market um, for any cell cams or arrows or anything, make sure and check out Exodus Outdoor Gear. I'm running seven of the rivals this year. Um, absolutely love those cameras. Love the size, the ease of use, and the uh, the price of the data is kind of hard to beat um, with Exodus. So uh, all around, definite win there with the rival cell cam and excited to utilize them throughout the season. All right, let's get into the show. All right, we got Ryan Roberts on tonight. How's it going tonight, brother? I'm pretty good, man. How are you? Doing good, man. I appreciate the... You coming on. Also appreciate the conversation we had here at the beginning. I we should have hit record about fifteen minutes ago, but we were just kind of BSing through it. And um, we're here to talk about agling bucks, but we're also going to do just a little whitetail BS session. Um, but before we get in too deep here, go ahead and introduce yourself to the listeners. Oh, uh, name's Ryan Roberts. Just a just your simple average Joe. Don't just really enjoy deer hunting. That's uh, a lot of people have uh, these big long stories behind it, but man, I I literally just love going hunting. Yeah, so that's that's like me too. I've been, you know, creating content and doing all this for, you know, like six or seven years, and I'm like, did it, it all just started just because I liked hunting and I wanted to know as much as I possibly could. And you started listening to the podcast way way back in the day. I don't know when you first reached out to us, but it was multiple years ago um and we got to talking before the show of how lucky we were to be kind of in the era of when podcasts actually started kicking up and the amount of inch you know amount of information that was getting thrown away around um right off the rip you know oh yeah man we got a like we were talking earlier it's like i swear i probably listened to every episode of wired to hunt when it first came out I was like, at, at the time, what I was doing with my job, I could literally throw in a pair of headphones and just vibe out all night, just listen to deer content. And there's so much good stuff out there, like different tactics, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's like, 
I just like I get ate up with it, honestly. Yeah, I was the same way. I started with Wired Hunt, and we were talking about like the the only bad thing is there wasn't a lot of content. So like, if they someone said something on that show, you were like, this is the only way you can do it. Like, this is the this is what I need to do. And the well, one that comes to mind was I remember um, there's a I you know Mark had a guy on talking about scent control. And Mark went, like, real deep into scent control there for a while. <clears throat> and uh, he was talking about he the guy don't even put Old Spice in the shower. Only his whole entire family, his daughter, his wife, they all use scent-proof soap the whole entire year round. They During season, he won't eat onions or sauerkraut or anything like that. <laughs> you know, he's into ozone. He sprays all the stuff down. He doesn't use any lodging detergent besides, you know, scent wash stuff. And I'm thinking, man, maybe this maybe this is the ticket. <laughs> maybe I need oh, to lay back on the onion rings, man. I'm out there right, trying to kill giants. <laughs> yeah, man, I got the, uh, the scent-free dove. I... Uh... I don't let uh, I don't give my wife any smell good, so I'm not rocking any aqua de Joe or anything for about three months. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm pretty generic through that stretch. Yeah, so that was that was like, man, I need to need, need to get the shit together on the sink control a little bit, and, and then now kind of half of that's went out the window, and I don't do a whole bunch of sink control. It's crazy how you kind of learn your style and do your own thing over the years of hunting and kind of figure out your own way of of doing it, things. Oh yeah, man. I was the same way. I, uh, I ain't gonna lie. I have an Ozonics and I, it works. I don't want to, I don't want to say the deer don't smell anything, but it confuses them just enough that it might give you that crucial three or four second window where you might be able to get a crack at a big one. But yeah, you know, other than that, man, I, I try to keep my stuff clean, but I don't, I don't get too crazy about it anymore. I, I did through a stretch, but at the end of the day, it's like, man, I just want to go out there and have fun and enjoy what I'm doing. And, you know, sometimes you can take it to a level where it's uh, it's almost like work. I, I don't think it should be. I think you should be out there and join yourself and getting after it while you're out there. Yeah, I get there a lot, too, where you're like, you know, you're so adamant on <clears throat> being successful you're like stressing about everything that you possibly can. And then last year where I found success, it was really hot and I had this stupid corn cob hat and I put it on and I was like, you can't bait in Illinois, of course. So I was like, Oh, wearing this corn cob hat in, um, definitely going to bring the bucks in tonight. You know, it's 90, it's almost 90 degrees. And I was just kind of making a joke about it. And that's when I had the opportunity of the biggest buck of the year when I was out there just goofing off, you know, Dude, man, right. There's, there's something to be said, but when you go out there with a, a good attitude, you know, it's like, you know, we've all had those days where it's like, you're running around to get all these things accomplished. And I think just how much more enjoyable it is if you're just out there to have fun. You know, like granted, like I want to be successful, but man, like crap, a few years ago, I went on a stretch where I'm pretty fortunate. Like I got a bunch of family ground. I have several acres I can get after, but I was like in that wormhole of like I needed like 40 pre-hung sets. So, man, I was like, I was going out there just going crazy. And at that time, we'd had a, a little girl. And it's like, it kind of just hit me one day. He's like, I, I don't have enough time for this. 
like I, I can't do all these and then still be like a good dad on the weekends, you know, or be a yeah. good hunter on the weekends. It's like, so I kind of gravitated more towards the, uh, mobile setup, man. A couple of years ago, I got me a, a, like a lone wolf. I think it was like a 1.1 or 1.0. And that changed a lot of stuff for me. Yeah. It I'm, I'm almost made it more way. enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you're, I always found myself out there doing the, you know, the summertime work, you're, you got a new piece of ground where the first thing you got to do is you got to go to tractor supplier, farm King or whatever, and buy five stands to get hung up out there with sticks. And, and you got to go out there and scout and figure out where to hang them. And 95% of the time you're 55 yards, 65 yards from where you're supposed to be, you oh. know, after you hunt it. So then you got to take it down and move it, you know, and That's then right. it's like, why did I even hang this thing? And you're out there in the worst absolute time of, the bugs and spiders and mosquitoes and you're trying to, you know, oh, all this work's going to equal, you know, a big buck later on. But when the mobile gang, you just, I'm going to go here. And then you go there and you get good at hanging your stand and, and you, you hang your stand and hunt out of it. And I don't right, know why yeah. lately, but man, I've been getting a lot of messages about switching to the saddle. Like people are like almost trying to like peer pressure me in. Like <laughs> back in the right, day, yeah, it was yeah. like beer. Drink this beer, dude. Now it's like, dude, you got to get in a saddle. Like you have to. Right. You can't. You can't not get into it. I'm like, right, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah. I'm like, stop peer pressuring me. <laughs> oh man, I. That's funny you say that. My best friend growing up, he just kind of moved back in the area in the last few years, and he's wanting to go deer hunt again. And I literally told him today, I was like, dude, whatever you do, don't buy into all the crap that you need to have 30 like three hung sets or you got to do this or that to be successful i was like dude if you have to sit on the ground yeah you know i did that during gun season like every year and it like it mixes things up you can still be in deer but it's like people get so obsessed with like i gotta i gotta do this this and that and then they lose sight of the goal that you're supposed to be out there enjoying it (laughs) Yeah, I sit on the ground during gun season because a lot of times that's the best time to take your kids, you know, because you got a high rate of success. You can kind of set back off the deer. So if your kids move or something, it won't spook them as much. Um, and sitting on the ground, I bought one of those, or actually Garrett bought me one of those uh, bog pods, those death grip bog pods to hold my yeah, gun. Yeah. Man, that was like, I would almost rather sit on the ground than any tree stand during gun season. Oh um, yeah, because most yeah. of the ag's picked by then, and you can see a long ways, or set up in the woods to where you can see a long ways, anyways. And you, you know, you we're not shooting past two hundred yards, anyways. You know, on a on a long long shot. So um, that might change for a lot of people since they opened up the you know the three fifty legend and the rifle cartridges or the pistol cartridge rounds. I guess it might stretch the range out there, but um, I find myself doing the same thing and. Just not having all those sets out there. It's also beneficial to me about uh, just you don't have like thirty options to hunt like in your in your mind. You're like, well, I can go to this stand or I could go to this stand. This the stand's good for this win. What's the cams look like over there? Like you look at your data and you go, I should probably be here hunting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So instead of all that weighing in your mind, and a lot of times like. Having a preset stands, 
pretty like you think you need to be a hundred yards, but you're like, man, I got a stand already hung right there. I could just go to it. Um, I don't, I don't know if you ever had it happen to you. So you, like you do all this work in the summer, and I'm like, I'm not against a bunch of pre-hung sets, or I should say, I we have several pre-hung sets, but they're just good solid rust sets. But I don't know how many times over the last like three or four years that I'd be like, all right, or before I went to the mobile side of it i was like all right this is where i'm going and on the way out there i would see the buck or get a picture of a buck and it would be clear across the other side of the farm yeah and i was like yeah so so i'm i'm like all right so i'm gonna go sit in this ladder stand or in this pinch point and just just hope and pray that this dude comes running across the 40 acre cut bean field you know so it's yeah it kind of puts you in a bad situation every once in a while yeah, you definitely, like I said, it's just sometimes too many options is a bad thing. But Well, uh, let's let's talk about some ag land bucks. The The reason I wanted to have you on, um, like I said, I wanted to chat with you for one, but for two, you're, you've been successful on some really, really solid deer, but you're always, always on giants every single year. Um, and I know your family has, you know, you and your family have all killed a lot of nice deer, but it seems like, just the trail camp pictures you share and the stories that you share, you're always on giants every year. You're already on some nice velvet bucks this year. Um, so I kind of just wanted to pick your mind on, you know, these ag land bucks and see if what I'm seeing is the same thing you're seeing. Cause we're kind of hunting, we're close, but we're not right on top of each other. So I'd like to see the differences, but, um, for right now, when you're running your summer track, summer uh trail cams where are you finding the most success on getting pictures of bucks i i go to beans this time of year if you can find your hidden bean field or that inside corner that's off the road where nobody can see you like i literally i don't know if i sent you a picture i literally hung two or three cameras the other day and just like that i've had like good good success getting velvet pictures already and it's literally just putting them on the inside corner, walking along the wood edge, and then cutting a track, and then literally just as simple as just slapping it up and seeing what you get. Yeah, those inside corners, a lot of times those inside corners have that little pocket of grass or whatever that the farmer can't get up because the tree branches are hanging over or whatever. Um, and I hang a lot of cams there too where – you can kind of cover the edge of the beans, but you also are covering that entrance and exit in in that corner. Because um, what what a lot of people don't understand that this time of year is these the big deer they're not moving very much at all. Like if if you're getting them on trail camera, they're pretty close to where you're at. Um, oh yeah, they just don't have a need to move. And I think people get very frustrated this time of year if they're not getting big deer on camera. That deer could be. 300 yards away and just not it's just not moving that much because it's hot and you don't you don't want to move around out there and like you said if they got a juicy bean field and a creek and some good bedding they're not going to go very far oh yeah yeah for sure the uh it's imagine just us going out there you spend like 20 minutes on a camera set up and how miserable you are at the end of it so if you find like and i've had luck like hanging cameras on the shady side of a, the woods of an evening you know it's like you go out there and the sun's beating on you and as soon as you walk into that little shady area how much difference it makes 
like you're just cooler, you're more comfortable. Like, and then all of a sudden you see all kinds of tracks and uh, bean stubble that's been nibbled on. That's literally about as much as I look into it. I was like, I'm like, oh, this is my spot. I'm gonna hang it right here. Yeah, and then um, I know just from what you've shared over the years, you're during season you're you you hang a lot on scrapes as well, don't you? Yeah, I kind of went down the rabbit hole with the rope scrapes the last couple of years. Seeing where guys had a lot of success with that, and I've screwed some up, but I've also had some awesome pictures and videos off of doing rope scrapes. Yeah, that but buck. That, yeah, the buck that you killed um, was it? It was was it last year or the year before? I can't remember. The big giant eight pointer. You had him on a rope scrape, right? Yeah, early. Yeah, yeah. And the previous year, I had him on that same exact scrape. So I'd say he uh, knew it was there, liked it, would come and check it every once in a while. Nice. Yeah, I know a lot of people have, uh, you know, made that rope scrape pretty. You know, they're like, man, it's you got to use this type of rope or this high. So what what exactly are you finding success when you're using those? Well, I'd, I'd like to say that. I come up with the idea and all of it, but literally, man, I watched Don Higgins' video on it. It's as simple as that. Like, yeah. Yeah. like sometimes like, it's better to just like, go to the guy yeah, that like, go to the guy oh, that knows exactly what he's doing. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like you have these guys that are willing to share information with you, and that's uh, like you got somebody like Don who's been around the game, or you know, just other older guys that have killed all kinds of giants and do it different tactics. Like Higgins literally put out a video showing you how to do it. And I literally followed it to the T, bought rope off of Amazon, left it out for a year, found a couple of good spots and just hung it up, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, I'd like to take credit for it, but I can't. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, whatever works. And like I said, a lot of times these, they're giving you exactly what you need. Um, these, these guys have been doing it year after year are giving you all the details it's just sometimes it's just better to to take what they are doing and try it and if it don't work try to tweak it a little bit for your area but um a lot of times what they're what they're saying works especially because they're hunting we're, we're we're blessed to live in a very good spot for whitetails so they're we're all hunting kind of the same age class and and quality of bucks uh i believe i i tell my friends all the time i said if you took a piece of property around my area and you told me that a 140 didn't touch it all year, I'd say you're full of shit. Like, I mean, it's just, there's one out there somewhere that big or bigger, you know? Oh yeah. And I, I think a lot of guys, uh, some people's, uh, scores grow or shrink, but a lot of people, 140 inch eight pointers, a big deer. Oh yeah. That's huge, dude. Like, I don't like, you know, everybody has that buddy. It's uh, like, well, I passed up a 140 inch eight pointer and, and half the time I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like, shot one off that urban piece, uh, two years ago. And when he came, when I first seen him, I was like, oh, that's a 160 frame all day. You know, oh, yeah. just the, you know, the frame walks out. You're like, oh, giant, you know, shooter. And then you're like, oh, it's an eight pointer, you know, but if it would have been a 10, it'd have been 160 inch deer, you know? So uh, it takes a lot to, like I said, to get to that 140 mark. But it, like I said, we I'm blessed to live in a good area, so the the deer is the deer are out there. But um, so we kind of covered the the summertime trail cameras. You know, you're running you run them on the beans, the inside corners. Um, 
I I kind of covered the same thing. I like to do a lot of uh, like water betting that's close to water. Um, I have some good success on for bucks. Um, and then there's something about I don't know if you ever seen this or not, but you know the timber that's like you walk into during season and it's wide open, big oaks. You're like, man, this would be. It looks beautiful, but you're like, there's not gonna be a deer in this during season. Like, because yeah. it's just wide open. That's where I find 90% of my big deer in, in the summertime is in those type of timbers where it's just wide open. You know, I don't know if it's airflow or canopy cover or what, what it is, but it seems like them big deer kind of flock to those more open timber areas during the summertime. Um, and then during season, like I said, they're, they're obviously not there very much cause it's too open. Um, but it's crazy. I didn't know if you had seen that in your area or not. I uh, hung a camera last weekend, and I did a little different than I usually do. Like I said, I usually just hit a, hit a bean field and just try to get pictures or locate certain deer. But I uh, I don't know if your area's got it real bad. It's like we have that uh, – I don't know if it's – they call it the Japanese honeysuckle. It's essentially an, an invasive and then like a couple of parts of the farms that like are in my family and some that I have permission to go on, that is like stuff is everywhere. And I swear it's like, it's like a low growing bush and it's like the deer just get under and bed. You can't see them. You literally almost have to step on them to get them out of there. But I went to this piece last weekend and it went off like an inside corner. And now that had a hidden bean field. And I literally took like 10 steps into this area and I couldn't hardly walk through it. And before you knew it, I was like, I found three or four intersections of trails. So I'm really curious if I'll have some good pictures right there. So it's literally like 30, 40 yards off of bean field intersections and trails. And like, I'm betting I should have put my cell camera there, but I'm betting I'll have a bunch of good pictures on there when I go and check it. Yeah. It's, it's so hard for, for me too. Cause you're like, a spot like that, you're like, man, during season, you know, off the edge of this field and this thick cover, this is probably where I'm going to get the best pictures. But right now, I might not get those pictures. You don't know or right. not, you know. And I, I ran into a spot like that where it's this point, walks out, there's a water pinch, and it kind of points out. It's off the ag, goes down into a bottom, and there's beds all over the place, you know, probably doe family living in there or whatever. Um, but I'm like, man, during season, like it's one of those really thick spots. I'm like, during see, I can only cover like five yards right now if I hug a camera. You know? right. <laughs> the, the kind of stuff you walk through yeah. and you start cussing in yeah. a hurry. You know, yeah. you're, you're dropping stuff. But Sticks during season, you put, a scrape, yeah. you put a scrape there, you're probably going to get the biggest buck on that cam well, uh, in that area. And I think a lot of times spots like that, you know those big bucks just hide in there, and they literally wait for that last five or ten minutes of daylight. And if you find you a little spot like that, you just hang up on it or hit a stand, and you can just about bet that they show up there. Whether you're there or not, there's – like I just pictured – like I found that spot, and I just pictured a big old buck just standing inside the woodlot just watching the bean field, just waiting for – you know, just kind of looking around, taking this time. And then just eventually just meandering out into the the beans. And I was like, I'm I'm going to sit right here. That's like instantly what was in my mind. I was like, if there's a good buck in here, 
you could about bet he's been somewhere close in this thick stuff. And if you get on the downwind side of it and you just happen to don't get busted by does or whatever that's feeding out in the field, you could about bet you're going to have one in your lap. Yeah. Yeah. I, I believe that's as well, too, because like you said, they they love that just off the edge of a lot of people hunt on the edge of the field. Um, and a lot of times, like I said, I think you need to be 25 yards in right on that transition line of the thick stuff to where it opens up. That's where I find the most success during season. Um, oh. Getting back to those cams that you run on the edge of the, the fields, are you uh, weed whacking or are you spraying Roundup or doing anything for the grass and stuff on the edge of the fields this time of year? Or? I literally, one of them little, I think is a haro. Is that the right? It's literally just a blade on the end of a stick. Yeah. And I, I try, I'm six foot four. So about any camera that I set up, I try to make sure that it is head height or a foot above my head and try to angle it down. And I run a bunch of Exodus and most of them have the LCD screen. So you can see where your camera's pointing. Mm-hmm. And I kind of step off to the side and look and see if there's any weeds or any brush. I might uh, hit a false trigger or something. I just go knock it down. I, like we were kind of talking, some people get so paranoid about looking around that they won't go scout or do anything. And that kind of takes the fun out of it. I try not to worry about it. I literally just go out there and clean out the area so I get good pictures. And literally, like I hung that one set up the other day, literally the next day. And then yesterday, I had velvet p- bucks all yeah, over it. Nice. Yeah, I uh, <clears throat> I invested in a, I believe it's a hawk. I don't, I don't know why it's a hawk, but I think it's a hawk, and it's just a machete. And it's like a foot-and-a-half long machete, you know. And that thing, like, I'll cut inch-round trees with it. I'll cut limbs. I'll cut grass. And if you're running summertime, summertime trail cameras, especially on the edge of fields, that grass grows up something fierce. So if you can knock it down when you hang it, like right now, um, by the time it – you know, the grass starts to not grow, it'll be knee high again and you won't get a bunch of false triggers. But I know a lot of people go out there and spray weed killer and stuff, but uh, I've always just went out there pretty much and tried to knock it down. But I invested in that machete and I was like, I don't know why ever. I just, it's one of those like got the thing where it goes through your belt loop and you can just carry it right on your belt. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or it has a big sheath. So if I don't have a belt, like, I'll tuck it down in my rubber boots and like carry it in between my rubber boots and my, you know, my pant leg and just like carry it down there. Um, and, uh, I, man, I always go out there and I always think it's funny. I was like, you know, somebody could see, or if somebody could just visually watch you, you know, you have to look like an idiot. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I was, I'm going out there yeah. just swinging, jumping up and down, trying to get branches out of the way. <laughs> I had so many damn, I, wore old blue jeans of course you know and it was i knew it was it was it was decent out but i knew it was gonna be it just rained so i knew that the grass was gonna be wet and i was gonna get wet and then it was gonna get warm and i had cockerbirds all over me so from i look looked like i peed my pants from sweat and then from the knee down i was it was all wet and then cockerbirds literally everywhere and all the ripped holes in my pants um and i'm out there just dripping sweat and i'm like mosquitoes are biting me i'm like why do i run summertime camps like why am i even out here <laughs> uh, oh dude i'm with you it's like like i said sometimes it can feel like a job but literally the last two or three years like 
so I'm like I said, I'm fortunate. I got good chunks of family ground, and I got a couple um, uh, pieces just to myself that I've just went and got permission. And I've hit the point where I literally may only take four or five cameras to each one of my spots. And most of the time, like my family ground, I, I know where I can get good pictures. So I'll throw them up and I'll leave the rest of my cameras in my tote or in my bag and just ready to rock closer to deer season. You know, I think some people get so gung ho and then throw up 40 cameras and then half the time they may never move them off their summer sources, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like I've had times where I was like, I should have moved this camera. You know, I hung it up in July and I left it there all year and got great pictures. But once it got closer to deer season, things changed. And I think some people need to reevaluate how they're putting the cameras out and then move them to more scrapes or, you know, into the timber. You know, I wouldn't just go running down through there in the middle of the deer season, just trying to hang cameras. But I think people make the mistake of, leaving them on summer sources every once in a while. Yeah, I, I think I do that. I catch myself doing that as well. Is you got really good intentions to go back out there and and get the cams and you're like, Oh yeah, it won't be any won't be a big deal. I'll just come out here and snag this and then move it over here. Um but it's like you said, you get into the you get into the actual main staple of season and you fight you catch yourself wow, man, I need to go get this cam. But then you're like, well, it's time to hunt now. So you don't go get that cam. And then you, it's either all grown up and you're getting false triggers or you're not getting the deer that you want to get because they're not there during that time of year. Um, So I kind of do the same thing. I was real bad about, for a while, I was like, I need to get every camera I have out just to get as much intel as I can um, to try to kill a buck early. Um, but I realize sometimes it's better to hold off and put those cameras out, you know, three weeks before season. And then don't even, I was real bad about checking them right before season two. And, um, I had, I was doing a podcast and a guy was talking about, you know, you go and check these cameras right before season and then you educate all these deer and then you go back and hunt and you've already, that deer was in there, but then you bumped them out when you went and pulled those cams and I'm like, I've probably been doing that for five or six years where, you know, you get a buck on cam, you're like, oh, he's, you know, three days before season, you're pulling cams. Oh, he's daylight, you know, and then you go back in there and hunt and you never see him where, where he probably smelt you the night after you went in there and pulled that cam. Um, so that's a- Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. 
Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Something I'm trying not to do now is once I hang stuff, I'm going to wait until season's in or I'm in there hunting. Because I feel like during the rut, late October, November, you could do... I know a guy who, like, every single year walks his whole entire properties. He's sending me Snapchats of rub. He's walking around. He's driving around. He's on his four-wheeler driving around. Always kills a giant buck. Like, you can get away with ten times more during that time of year. Um, so that's the time of year where I'll check cams a lot more often. But now it seems like I'm either checking them when I'm going hunting or after I'm hunting at, at night, you know, or I'm not checking them at all until the end of the year. Right. But I think, I don't know if you're on a bunch of cell cameras, cell cameras kind of help you like scratch the itch. Oh yeah. You, know, like you hang up a couple, you know, and then at least you get to see pictures or you're waking up to pictures and, and it, like, you know, you hang up a normal SD card camera and you think it's in a good spot. Kind of like the spot I was talking to you. And that's like, it's like every, I'm fighting every temptation to go check that camera. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it's hard, man. And like you said, the, the cell cams definitely help out the the itch. And and I see, I let's see, I hung cams uh, been last Friday after work, um, and I hung six cells. And uh, every morning, I'm already doing the thing where you roll out of bed, alarm goes off, and I'm looking to see, you know, because I got it on that that six hour update of whether just basically saving battery life. Um, and I'm just trying to see, okay, what, what's out there, you know, what's going on, you know? And, uh, I'm, I, like I said, I've got on, I've got on a couple decent bucks already. I'm excited to follow them out through the year, but those cell cams definitely help not wanting to go pull cams. Cause that it's hard, man. It's hard for, you know, anybody to be like, yeah, I'm hunting. I don't know that I, you know, I'm not on them and I got all this, all these cams out here that could give me so much Intel if I just went and got them. You know, but oh. then I'm educating all this deer right before season. So it's a hard give and take of what you want to do during that time. Right. And I, I think a lot of my success or like you said, like I try to be on deer and a lot of that comes from like historical data from my SD card cameras. I'll have nothing to do with the cell car or a cell camera. Like I'll go hang several SD card cameras and literally just let them soak. I ain't going to touch him. I'm going to put him in spots where I think big bucks will be cruising or looking for does. And you can about bet, like I've had two or three certain bucks that we've had on certain parts of our farm that they will be in the exact same area year after year. Oh, like yeah. the buck I killed uh, during gun season, I saw him the previous year in the exact same field. So I don't, I don't know if you remember that uh, second day, uh, first season shotgun. 
was it really windy where you were at? I yeah. mean, it was like, it was yeah. horrible. Like, it was one of those that, like, it separated the men from the boys. <laughs> like, I can remember going, like, I, I'm pretty sure I know where he's betting or where he's hanging out. And it's just in a spot you just, you can't get close to him. But I always tried to have the mindset, especially during gun season. I'm, and I'm a proud member of the Orange Army. I, uh, I was like, I think I know where he's at. And I'm literally going to go in there and try to set up within a hundred yards. So I went in there and like I said, sit on my butt and just waited. But that morning was brutal. That was one of them like 25 mile an hour wind, cold days, no sun. And I saw a lot of action, saw several nice bucks and I ain't going to lie. I was cold and I, <laughs> and I was done. And I actually texted one of my close buddies and I was like, I'm thinking about heading to the truck. And he's like, just give it another 30 minutes. And so I gave it another 30 minutes and I, I saw a bunch of action down in the set aside. So I'm like sitting on the top of a ridge, looking down over a bottom field. That is like, you can't walk through it. It's, it's deer heaven. I was like, it's a perfect spot for a buck to go hide. And I'm just seeing Doge run everywhere, but I never saw a good buck. And at this time, I mean, I've lost feeling in my hands and feet. And I was like, I got to move. And no, no joking, Cody. I, I got up and slow, like walked 200 yards, but I took my time. Like I'd walk five or six steps and stop just literally trying to get warmed up. And I was trying to talk myself into going to the truck and then, you know, that little voice on the back of your, on your back, just saying, don't be a sissy. Just stay. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, just, just stay. And no joke, I, I literally just popped down in the weeds and just trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Literally just took a knee in the brush and was kind of game planning, thinking in my head, thinking about where he was last year. And I literally just laid down and rested. No lie, took like a 30-minute nap. And I, like, I don't know, it just was enough to keep me going. So I got up and I was like, I saw him in this exact field almost a year to the date. And I went and walked another 25 yards and sit in the exact same spot. And I literally, like, it's in one of them spots where if you sit down, you can't see. So I literally stood up for like four hours. And just like a light switch, things exploded. And I think I just happened to be in the right spot. Well, there was two or three hot does and I could see different chunks of timber and man, they were just making hot laps. And I was like, I'm like one of them times I was like, you sit there and I'm like, I'm thankful I stayed. Oh, yeah. It's like, I, I don't care if I shoot a deer. This was worth it to me just to be out here in God's country watching deer. And literally about that time I saw a bunch of does come tearing out of the woodlot behind me. And man, I looked over and that eight pointer was literally within bow distance from me. So then, you know, the panic's on, oh, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. Panic's on the, the adrenaline rush hit and I wheeled around and I honestly believe that he was in that bottom field that morning pushing does around because I got pictures of him later off my SD card cameras after I pulled him at the end of the year. I think he was just dogging does all over the place. And I don't know if you ever saw the picture of him in his prime. He was like a big stout, filled out deer. And that evening after I shot him, 
like he literally just like somebody threw a hide on a skeleton. Like he was so worn out. I'm like that dude had to been running all over the place. Yeah. But I mean, I literally ended up shooting him at bow distance with a shotgun. And what was funny is I shot him and he ended up dying within five yards of where I laid down and took a nap. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I literally like, you know, you have those moments where like, man, I'm, I'm so thankful I get to do this. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was like, you know, like again, once the, one of those times that somebody could see you from a distance, they thought they probably thought I'd lost my mind. I was doing the Tiger Woods fist pump, you know, <laughs> hollering, screaming. And it's like, it, with me, it's like deer hunt is supposed to be fun, but you can get a lot accomplished with the right attitude and effort. Yeah, for you sure. Know? And that's, that's what a lot of people, they hear, podcast and they watch videos and they think everybody's just got her perfectly figured out and we've said it for years if if you followed me it's a complete shit show like it stuff goes wrong i'm spooking deer sometimes i'm i'm making the wrong moves like there's nothing pretty about it but like you said sometimes you're just you grind it out or you you make you make the right move finally and, and you're successful but definitely a lot like you said you're you're wanting to leave, and I don't. I don't think there's anything on earth that's saved more big deer than cold feet, cold hands. I mean, the, the deer <laughs> you, out you, there moving. A lot of people, you're not seeing the deer, and that's something that's so frustrating for the rut. Is like, I'm supposed to be seeing the deer. Why I'm not moving the deer? And it's because all the deer are moving somewhere, and they're all on a hot no, like you said, in one area. And if you can get in that area, there it's crazy. But if you're not in that area, if you're 300 yards away, there ain't shit going on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a frustrating time of year. And like I said, it's sometimes just being there is is what it takes. You know, you took that nap. I've done that before, where you're just like, you know, you're just like, I gotta, I gotta do something to keep stay out here. But this this isn't working, you know. And especially when you've been on a grind, like my my thing is is I'll um, what I started doing uh, here the last couple of years is I'll sleep in and go in like two hours after light and set the rest of the day. Um, there's just something about not being setting up in the dark and not being out there that early. Um, every now and then that's really nice. But what that story made me remember when I was a pretty young, I think I was 16. Um, I used to go to Northern Missouri and I grew up in Southern Missouri where like a one thirties, a giant, you know? Um, and, uh, they're there's they're getting better down there though um the the age class is really or the the quality of bucks really jumped up they're starting to plant a lot more ag and a lot less hay um but anyways i was in northern missouri and um we were i was we i was working at sonic i left sonic at like midnight i think we closed at midnight so i probably left there at twelve thirty, and then i drove to northern missouri um to uh to hunt you know that that opening opening morning rifle season so i get there park the truck and i'm like i'm gonna sleep for two and a half hours you know before the sun comes up so i sleep in the truck i get out i go get in the stand and i don't see anything it's a windy day you know cold i'm in this ladder stand on this hillside i'm in a like perfect spot for a buck to cruise off this little pocket of timber that runs along a creek pinch point I'm like, I just got to set it out. So I climbed down. I 
you know, sleep at the base of the tree for probably a couple hours at that point. Like I was out for a while. I wake up, I climb back up the ladder stand. I sit there and I'm dozing off and I'm dozing off. And I was kind of doing the same thing that you were doing where I was like, you know what? At this time of the day, you know, I'm going to get down and I'm going to go check these, this, this field. Cause you can see a long ways, you know, and I'll sit up on it for a while. Um, and no shit. I, so I slept sleeping on the ground and I climbed up the stand, sat there for a couple hours, got da- climbed down the stand. And right when I hit the, the leaves behind that stand, 60 yards stood one of the biggest bucks I've ever seen in my whole entire life was bedded there the whole entire time. I don't know if he was bedding while I was sleeping, if he snuck in on me the two hours when I was hunting or what. Um, but I pulled up and took a shot at him and missed. But if I wouldn't have got down and took that nap, I never would have had the opportunity at that deer, um, even seeing him. But I still remember hitting those leaves, taking one step and then hearing something turning around and here's this giant standing up 60 yards from me. And I'm like, Holy shit. Like, have you been there the whole day? Like what is going on? I've been in and out of this tree stand three times, you know, <laughs> like, well, oh. uh, dude, man, hunting's such a weird thing. Like the, the buck I killed with my bow, like, I mean, I killed my bow buck and my gun buck off the same farm within like 300 yards of each other. And I've had pictures of each one of these for at least four or five years. So I knew these were like old bucks, which makes it that much better. But hunting's so crazy that the whole year I wanted that eight pointer. That was the one in my mind. Or there was just something about him. He's just a just a brute of a deer, man. Think like if he would have been like a twenty inch wide, how massive that thing would have looked. Oh yeah, been insane. And I'm not not taking away from what that deer was. I loved it. It's like one of my greatest memories of hunting but i was like like all year or i won't say all year that he was just the one that was on my mind when i started the season i'm like that's the one i wanted and i am i love trail cameras but they can mess with you like i legit only had like four or five pictures of him in velvet and early on and one of them was at that that rope scrape that I talked about. And that was like literally like one of the last photos I had of him until like two days before I shot him. And I, I honestly gave an, gave up on him. I was like, dude, I think he died of EHD. Uh, and I was like, cameras can kind of mess with you a little bit. Like oh, yeah. you can be thinking something's there. Or like you could be hoping like, oh, he's there and he may be gone. Or like, like. I remember I got the picture of him. I'm like, I cannot believe he's alive. Like, where has he been? And no joke. I think he had such a small little area. Like, I honestly think he could have been like an eight or nine year old buck. And those little bucks are so stinking smart. Yeah, like, they don't they don't need to move much. I got one of those they, that are just, I get pictures of him uh, during the summer, get a couple pictures of him. I've hunted him for three or four years. He's got like a 120 inch rack now. Um, I've I've ran into him bedded in the summertime. If I could hunt August 15th, I'd kill that deer. But I, but uh, I you know you can't you can't hunt that early. And then I can't I cannot kill him. He's I just cannot find I cannot find him during season. I've hunted him so long. I just give up on him. 
I swear, just like in the last two or three years, I've had the chance of hunting some really nice old bucks. And I swear they watch me come and go. Yeah. I don't I have any other way to explain it. Like two years ago, I was hunting a, a really nice buck. It would have been by far the biggest buck I've ever killed. And I had all my cameras out and I was always in his area. And no joke, I would, at the end of the year, I pulled all my cameras and I sat down and I logged where I sat, how long I sit. And then I like correlated that with my trail cam pictures. <laughs> I ain't lying. That dude literally would walk by me or by where I was at six or seven times, either 30 min- minutes before I got there or 30 minutes after I left. Damn. I mean, I was like, I, I'm all for like guys being like, Oh yeah, I got it. But every once in a while, you got to tip your cap to those. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're just like that, like, like this, that dear West side, people have heard me talk about him on here, man. He, he, he owned me. I just can't kill him. And then now I'm just like, you know what, dude, you, you can live because no one's going to kill you. I can't kill you. So no one else is gonna kill well, you unless you get like you get that. you're gonna die of old age out there, dude. So oh. props to you. <laughs> granted, you know sometimes you, you you get a chance and you're lucky to harvest them. Okay, but even then, you still gotta tip your cap to him because I know that big eight pointer I killed last year. I know he did the exact same thing. You know, you just have that feeling in your stomach. I'm like, I was like, man, I got you, but I'm pretty sure you beat me like ten times. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, it's that's a, it's, a, it's so an odds fun. name, and just, you just got to have one one time in your favor, uh, and that's why. I, I you know a message now is that I hear a lot is, you know, don't hunt and don't hunt as much, and that's how you're going to kill these big bucks because you're not going to educate them. But I still believe that there's nothing that beats time and stand, um, no matter oh. what the the pros say. If you have some manicured farm and you're targeting one specific deer and you, you don't want to bust them, maybe wait for the right day. Um, but if you're kind of like us hunting permission and whatever on a couple different deer, you got to hunt, man. Cause you, yeah, you never yeah. know. And I love like maybe one day we'll be in a position where like I can take a month off the hunt, but if you're a, a family man, you got two little ones. Like I can throw a week's worth of vacation after it. So when I'm going, I I want to be aggressive yeah. or more aggressive. And I'm not saying do anything stupid and just run through the woods and slapping up stands all over, <laughs> like on every other tree. But I was like, I was like, I get wife and kids to think about. I when I'm hunting, I want to be going after it, and I want to feel like I'm in the game. I was like, I don't remember what podcast or whoever I heard said whoever heard say it was, is like, if you're going somewhere to hunt, you don't think you're in the game. Why are you even hunting? Yeah. Spend, you know, like spend that time with your family. The, the more time you're able to spend at it. And, and when you don't feel like you need to be somewhere else, you enjoy it more. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. I can't like... Like, it helps when you knock down a couple of good old bucks, but I had a blast last year. Like that was one of my fondest memories. And I, I wasn't, out looking for a boon or even though that'd be nice <laughs> but like it was just a couple awesome old bucks that i got yeah, to chase a couple giants a couple giants last year man like i said you're already on them and and that's what i think everybody needs they need that first three four good bucks you know once you get that then you kind of get in a groove and um i don't know if it's just less stress on you or what it is but it seems like you have more fun 
And it might be because you feel like you're in the game more. You know, you're like, okay, I've killed some. I kind of know this property. Um, and just like that's what you said, like, no one wants to go out there and think that they're going to have a bad hunt. You know, even if you see some does and some small bucks or whatever, you just want to have a good hunt. Like, in my eyes, if I can hunt, see some deer, and not spook anything, that's a pretty good hunt. You know? Yeah. And, and there's spots now where I used to hunt and spook deer, and now I'm just, I just won't hunt there. Like, I'm just like, I can't hunt there because for some reason, when I hunt that stand, the deer see me. And it, it just blows me away how well that they can pinpoint you out in some spots and then but it's funny you move down three trees they don't see you at all it's just like what the hell like there's <laughs> something about the angle of that tree and i got a stand hung now that i need to go move because i went in did a mobile hunt hung up about three trees down i seen 28 deer out in the field um right after they picked the corn in october um end up shooting a doe that night and uh this is early october no deer spooked at all nothing so i'm like oh i'm gonna go in there and uh and hang a stand well i took that stand and hung it 35 40 yards closer to the timber kind of this point that comes out kind of right in the corner of the field where a lot of them are congregating hunted it three four times every single time i was in that stand a deer a deer got me and i'm like what the heck? I got back cover. I'm in between two, um, in between two big trunks, you know. But down there, no, no, I hung a stand and hunted out of it, and took it down and didn't spook anything. Um, so I need to move that stand further down. And then the further down, it's one of those spots where a northwest is just a west is just edge, you know. Like man, if a deer comes out, you can get it. But if he comes out and he's out of range and he's kind of working angle into you, he's gonna smell you. Um, and that happened to me last year. So if I move out and get that extra 40 yards, that gives me another 40 yards of that west wind edging, um, that southwest edge edging out into the center of the field instead of kind of where they're angling out. Um, but I had a big eight-pointer um, coming out, and he, he winded me sure as shit. Um, I tried to – I don't know if you ever had success for this. If you ever have a deer wind you and then, like – they blow, but then they run away, and then they stop, and they kind of look over there like, what the hell is going on? I've had success if I blow back at them. <laughs> Can't say I've ever done yeah. that. Might be worth a shot. Yeah, I don't know. I've done it a couple of times where, like, they don't come in, but it kind of chills them out. Like, maybe they think there's another deer over there that's blowing as well. Um, but at that point, yeah, yeah, at that point, I'm like, I'm kind of already busted, you know, like especially if there's no other deer in the field. Um, that buck blew at me and then trotted off and then stopped and looked over there, and I blew back at him, you know, like right. what is it going to hurt? And then he was just like looking over there, and then he kind of just browsed off in the opposite direction. I'm like, you know, maybe that was better for, you know, he actually went to me, but maybe I threw him off his game by blowing back at him. Maybe second guess him next time he smells me. You know, I don't, I don't know. A lot of people believe that they can remember your scent, remember your, you know, kind of the way you go and your, your game. But I, I don't, I don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if it's that in depth or not. But I would say if you hunted a buck for years and years and he got you a couple of times, he'd be like, oh, there's that guy again. Oh, I gotta, I gotta stay away from that I area. 
I would doubt it. I'm like I say, everything has its own smell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure I smell terrible out there. <laughs> yeah, like my and one thing I kind of hit me last year. So I've hunted that ground since I was like 12. You know, I was like I grew up hunting it, and there's a certain part on the farm where if you got in there, you almost always had a good sit. But if you hunted it on the wrong wind, I have to think. I think it was always like a, I always tried to hunt it like on a south wind. And like every time I'd walk in there, I'd jump deer. And it'd usually be a decent buck. And so there's, it's just this long point that comes out in the field. And I'd been watching it. And it was getting towards the end of October. I think I shot my bow buck on October 28th. But on the 27th, I had an east wind. And I was like, I don't have any like ladder stands or spots where I think are good for an east wind. I'm like, I'm throwing my lone wolf on my back and I'm going to go go look at this spot. And I, I've poured over my Onyx or aerial maps or whatever for years. And I was like, I'm going to try something different. I'm literally going to sneak through this creek and walk through this tight ravine and get up on the other side and overlook this spot where I always jump deer off. And I literally like, no joke, I walked like a hundred yards and I took my time, went slow, had my stand on my back and I literally popped up and, and had an east wind. And like that's one of those things you always hear killers talk about. It's like, oh, if you get an east wind, you'll kill. And I literally popped up on this spot that I've hunted for years and I was like, why haven't I done this before? I'm in the money right now and I didn't jump anything up. Yeah, like it's nice literally, when, like nice when the dots that, come together. Yeah. yeah, that thought, and I was like, I literally hit creeks and ravines and was out of sight. And literally, as soon as I peeked my head up over the ridge, I was like, "There's my tree." It's literally just a small double tree, and I can send you the picture. And no joke, I could grab the bottom of my platform with both hands with my feet on the ground. And so I sat there. And that evening, I had deer funnel right by me, like 15 to 30 yards, just going out, heading towards the fields. And I was hidden in plain sight. Oh, yeah, a lot of times, they, like I said, no one's been in there. No one's accessed that way. They're not, they're not prepared for it. And it's just kind of, like you said, just putting your mind to, to how can I can do it. I got a spot like that where I've jumped a buck a couple times trying to go hunt and it's just one of those spots that you go in, dude, you, there's just buck sign everywhere. You know, they're in there. Just like, how do you go about getting in there without, without hunt, you know? So I actually got permission from the neighbors and this year, and, uh, it's just a field, but they got a low waterway and I'm going to try to get into the neighbor's waterway, which would be some way that I've never accessed. No one hunts over there. There's no timber on that ground. And then walk that waterway into that timber and hunt it that way just to see maybe if I can have a swing at them like that, you know, because if you're doing something that it ain't working, you got to try something different to see, if, right. see yeah. if that'll work. Yeah. So, but I went in there and I had an awesome set and literally, you know, you just have that feeling like I'm leaving everything in the tree. I literally left my, my bow my bag and literally just climbed down and left the exact same way. So I went home and I was like, I'm, I'm going right back there in the morning. 
but I kind of went at it a little different in the morning. I walked an easier route, but I was still good access, slipped right into it, and literally 45 minutes, an hour after daybreak, I mean, the wood just lit up. It was one of those, like, October mornings that people, like, dream of. And, like, you're just seeing deer running everywhere. The sun's in your face. You can see deer chasing. And I'm literally, like, just standing there. Like I said, I'm not very high, so I'm like, I'm, I got to hold still. Like, I don't know why that was just in the back of my mind. And I got my bow hung up where I could get to it easy. And I'm sitting there, and I just see this tank coming down the ridge at me. And I'm like... Oh, that's a, like my first thought. I grab my bow. So, you know, usually if I grab my bow, I'm like, all right, just, I'm shooting. Mm-hmm. And this thing's coming at me. And for a minute, I'm like, oh, it's not the big eight. And then I'm watching this guy and he's at 30, 40 yards and he's just pushing deer everywhere. And he's lip curling. I had a doe walk by me and pee. And he literally stood in the spot where she peed and lip curled like, things you see in shows that you don't normally oh, <laughs> happen yeah. to a normal guy. And this dude's at 40 yards. And I'm like, I ain't going to lie. I got wrapped up and just watching. I was like, how awesome is it just to see if something like this doing what it does best, chasing those around, pushing other little bucks around. And like, I just dawned on me. I was like, why am I getting ready to shoot this, <laughs> shoot this deer? So I, I get ready. And I was like, I'm not joking. I was like, my foot, is jumping up and down on my stand. I was like, I don't know how this deer, I'm like, I'm coming high speed, come apart. Like I'm so nervous, excited. And I told myself I'm, I'm ranging a little bit. And he was at like 35 yards when he was lip curling 35, 40 yards. And I was like, and I ranged the spot that was 25 yards. And I was like, I bet you he's following that doe. My guess is that doe was close to being in. Yeah. And sure enough, I ranged where, where, where she went, and I was like, that's got to be 25 yards. And he literally just starts walking to him. And I just pulled up. I shot. I hit a little low and got fortunate. It was a liver shot. But, man, I was like, that feeling afterwards, I was like, I hope I never lose that. Like, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, you, that's what you want, man. You, that's why I tried my boys first year hunting and – He's asking questions about it, and I'm like, when you when you finally you're in that moment and you're seeing this stuff, you're you like you know what it's about. Like you're you're never gonna want to lose that. Like holy shit, like it's happening, you know, <laughs> like that 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 kind of feeling, you know. And I I've told people over and over, and I was like, if I get that jacked up over 150, you know, 150 inch deer, I was like, I hope I never lose that. I was like, the day I lose that, the day I probably ain't hunting anymore. But as of right now, it's it's live in a well. <laughs> oh yeah, that's when you gotta take her down to the recurve or something and get those get yeah, those jitters like, back, you know. Uh, but I tell people, I was like, I don't think that's going away. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't. It's not gonna go away for me anytime. I, I think it's just because guys like me and you, we're limited on time, and we put so much work and thought into this, not only during season but all year round. It's just like the ultimate buildup, you know, of like that first kiss, you know, where like it's building <laughs> yeah. up, there's tension, there's tension, it's building up, it's building up, and holy shit, it's about to happen here. I'm about to, and and what this is what I do. I go, 
my whole entire time of Bucks coming in, I'm like, all right, don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. <laughs> you, know, right. you waited all year for this. Do not screw this up. Do not screw this up. Uh, but uh, that's that's normally what I'm doing, like trying to pick my shot. And now I'm filming, so I'm trying to get it on film. And that's in a whole another nutshell. Right. But, oh. oh, yeah, for sure. But, but uh, man, I, I, I was a big sports guy growing up and had some really cool – games played in some really cool places was fortunate enough to play college football and people like to this day will still like oh what was that like and they look at me almost cross-eyed when i tell them i was like oh that's fun but it ain't nothing like shooting a big buck yeah (laughs) i was like like people almost look at you weird i'm like i'm telling you i was like like once you've had a few encounters and you're able to take a nice mature old deer i was like you just want to like you just keep going after it's almost like a drug like i gotta have that again oh yeah i got a buddy who just started listening to the podcast never hunted a day in his life um i believe he's probably mid-30s late 30s um and he's just listening because he knows me and probably at work wanting something to do you know listen to and uh I, he messaged me today and I was he's like, I'm on episode whatever and I'm just loving the stories, man. These guys really love what they're doing. And I'm like, dude, if you ever want to go hunting, let me know. But let me forewarn you, if it's something that you like, it's you're you're not gonna wanna not do it. Like once you start, you're pretty well in if it's something that you're gonna know if you like it right away or not. Um, right. and oh, that first yeah. doe gets close and you're out there and you're trying to make the shot, you're going to know whether you want to be in that kind of moment or not for the rest of your life. And that's what we're all, we're all chasing is that, that moment of where the whole entire year's work and prior years all comes together and a minute's time and you're out there and it's you and your bow. And, uh, you're thinking about, I shot this thing thousand times in the yard. It's time to to put it to work, you know, and uh, and uh, everything coming together, and then tracking it. That's the anticipation of did I make a good shot? No, right. it's just like it never. It's uh, talking, yeah, talking with your buddies. Everybody has that list of who they call. Oh yeah, like I legit to this day since I was a little kid. And now I'm 33. I called my old man. I'm like, man, I'm I'm falling apart, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the well, you you put if you care about it, you, you want to be successful and then you do a lot of things that put you in a position to be successful, hanging cameras, scouting. And then when it comes together, it's, it's, it's just awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like no better yeah. way to explain it, man. Just a combination of all that. And it comes to finally comes together. And especially if it's on a target buck, man, you kill a couple target bucks. You're like, Oh, because yeah. it's not only that you did killed it, but like you did it, like you finally accomplished what you're after, and you're something that you thought was not possible. You made it happen. Um, that's when it really starts working on you. Like, holy shit, I can I can do this. Like, this is oh, something yeah. I can do. You get a taste of success, and it's not like a cocky thing. Like, yeah, I don't. You don't, shouldn't go around pounding your chest they can telling everybody that you can do it but it's like you have that that thought you're like internally like oh i can do this yeah, <laughs> like, i can do this i yeah. i you start seeing things a little different you're like i you know, your confidence starts to build it's just like sports and it all kind of wraps together but it's just like i i got confidence now you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. 
Yeah, if I get a chance and get a good buck showing up, I was like, I, I, I think I can do this, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You get that, especially after you come off a good year. You're like, oh yeah, this is gonna be get right back in the saddle, you know, and get after it. But, <laughs> right. Yeah. All right, yeah. man. Well, we're uh, we're over an hour here. I think we'll wrap it up. But I really appreciate you coming on and having this uh, BS Whitetail session with me. It was great. It was great chatting with you tonight, man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode with Ryan, this BS session about farmland bucks and hunting in general. And um, if you want to reach out to him on Instagram, Illinois Hardwoods, um, he loves to chat deer with guys. He's ate up with it. Don't be afraid to reach out and uh, follow him and uh, send him a message and chat some chat some whitetail. But I really enjoyed the conversation with him. One of those that when we ended the podcast, we continued to talk about other stuff for another hour um, that we could have should have just kept recording, you know. Um, but like always, I really appreciate you guys tuning in all the way to the end. Um, I love you guys supporting the show, coming back every week um, to do your thing and listen to the show. Um, just really, really appreciate you guys and everything you do for me and my family. Um, listen to this podcast and hopefully, um, you gain some knowledge from this and, uh, get you motivated to get those summer cams out and, uh, find some of those, those big velvet bucks. Um, but like always, always try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy and why till legacy is out to I'm coming in your holes at 11 AM central time next Wednesday. Love you guys. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.